Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Rink Rat Report podcast. Uh, we got... Two games only this week, but a special two games uh, as the Leafs headed to Sweden. You know, pretty fun trip. Some good content came out of it. Um, a lot of William Nylander content came out of that. So uh, some some uncles were not uh, were eating their words and maybe not too happy to see William Nylander hitting on uh, Madison Beers, who I don't really know what she is, but she seems pretty famous. As always, though, joined by Jason and my dog's feet. I don't know why. He's sitting like this, but yeah. Uh, Madison Beer, uh, shout out William Nylander, did his best. Didn't really, I don't think she knows who he is, but uh, she'll but to go re- on a talk show. I think that's a somewhat notable talk show. I don't really know much about Swedish uh, media, but to go on that talk show with that earring and the, the tank top that was absurd. Oh the tank top God. was such a crazy, like, what a crazy move. Like, that if we're going to talk about a guy who's so laid back on and off the ice, we're going to talk about William Nylander. Not even taking a shot at him. Just, it's Did just his he nature. Went to a premiere? So he went chill. to a premiere also in, like, like a Drew House t- uh, sweater. Something it's like crazy. that. crazy. <laughs> the sweater, like, you know what? I feel like he can get away with the sweater. The freaking tank top, wife beater, whatever the, pl- the, cult, whatever the correct term is for those shirts. That is just crazy. It's like he's uh, one of the hosts of the Rink Rat Report podcast, but I've been doing this longer than. <laughs> to be fair, Pat McAfee started doing it, and then I started, started doing it. it. Yeah, but I didn't do it because of McAfee. It's literally just because like I come straight from the gym and do this, and I don't want to change, and so it's like, yeah, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, fair enough. But anyways, William Tank Top Nylander. How come he gets away with it when he goes on a talk show in a tank top? He's it's like, oh wow, William Nylander. But when I sh- yeah, <laughs> when I show up to work in a tank top, it's like, oh, you need to go talk to HR. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't like the, the double standards there. Not but fair. Anyways, not fair. It, it is not fair. So we're going to get into those two games there. Patterns that we noticed, um, how they played, get into all those good details. We're going to get into the hot topic of the week, which is William Nylander's next contract. What does that look like? But Everyone's talking about William Nylander. What's Nylander's next contract? Rival executives are saying 12 and a half by 19 years. He's getting comparable to Shohei Otani. Watch out, Otani. You're going to get beat out by William Nylander. What about Elias Peterson? What about Sam Reinhart? But before we get into that, Jason, actually look up. Is Elias Peterson a pending UFA? While I do this ad read here, today's show... 
obviously, as you might, if you've been listening for more than a week, you would know this show is brought to you by Manscaped. Merry Ballsmas from our friends over at Manscaped. The holidays are approaching, but what if I told you that the celebrations are starting early this year? It turns out the perfect gift does exist. And who else to bring it down your chimney than the leaders in below-the-waist grooming? Keep calm and let your balls jingle this season with Manscaped's brand-new Performance Package 5.0 featuring the Lawnmower 5.0. Watch all your wishes and mistletoe kisses come true. Look nice when you're going naughty by going to manscaped.com and using the code RINKRAT, that is R-I-N-K-R-A-T, for 20% off and free shipping. Unwrap the gift of smoothness this season. We've gotten a chance to use the 5.0. It's incredible. All of Manscaped's products are incredible. You know, the underwear are exceptional as well. Promo code RINKRAT, R-I-N-K-R-A-T, at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. Shall we get, speaking of balls and meatballs, shall we get into the Swedish meatballs? That didn't really transition very well. (laughs) But off the top, I will say this about the Sweden trip. The Leafs played two good periods, one in each game, and they came away with four points. Any thoughts on that? No, I feel like that's fair. Uh, I didn't get to catch the uh, Minnesota game live, but uh, hmm, I was able to watch I'm the stay highlights. Up till five a.m. Yeah, it was at five a.m. for me, so I just couldn't couldn't do it there. But uh, from the Detroit game, though, I mean, the first thing I noticed is that it was evident that this team hadn't stepped on the ice in a while. Almost like it was just like you could tell that they started slow. Not really an excuse for that Minnesota game, but I don't know. They, I thought they they came back. William Nylander did his thing on on his home home turf. I I think I think I agree with you in then in saying that they came away with only two good periods. I think that's a fair thing to say because definitely didn't look good in that Detroit game. That's that first second period was not good. Third period looked a lot better. Um, but you can probably give me a better description of the Minnesota game because again I was only able to watch a highlight version of that. So so it's interesting when you, you kind of broaden the scope i don't even know if this is the proper terminology for this but think about this from each of the games the little nuggets that you need to think about when evaluating those games right detroit was on the the latter half of a Mm back-to-back right in that game there was a play where jake wallman coughed up the puck to austin matthews he tried to go back and defend and he tripped over the ice literally just the ice and went face first into the net and pushed off the net and got injured That puck looked like it was in. I'm in the camp of that puck was in the net. If Jake Wallman does not push it off, there's no penalty, no nothing. It was just face off. That was wild. Or whatever. We saw that last year too, right? In a Leafs game? uh, We saw that, but it counted against Buffalo. Counted. Yeah. And there was another play as well. It might have counted. I can't. It happened both ways. I remember where we got scored on like that. And then we also scored on the other team last. Anyways, sorry. Sorry to interrupt. Exactly correct. So think about that. Like that should have been a goal in my opinion. So think about that. Going into the third, it should have been 2-1 for Detroit. The Leafs should have been on the board. Mitch Marner would have been a nice goal, five-on-five goal there. However, it was not and it didn't count. But from that play, Jake Wallman left the game. Detroit on the latter half of a back-to-back in the third period in Sweden is down to five defensemen. And the Leafs pummeled. Ben Sherratt in that period. They 
on the game-winning goal, guess who got hit, beat up a little bit behind the net? Old number three, Justin Hall. So the Leafs were able to target certain defensemen, quick pivots, quick movements uh, with the puck, and they were able to take advantage of it. I mean, we posted Frankie C's breakdown of it on our Instagram. Take a look of how that's that uh, the Leafs' first goal became po- was possible. William Nylander, oh my God, taking the puck off the boards there. He had no space, guy on his back, shook him off like it was nothing, and was able to feed backdoor to Tyler Bertuzzi. Fantastic play. Great details as well in that goal. Uh, and just a, a whole team effort, we'll say, too, on that one. So the Detroit game, you got to think, like, okay, it was 2 nothing going to the third. They had five defensemen on the latter half of back-to-back. But it was only 2 nothing because one of the defensemen knocked off the net, in my opinion. So would mm-hmm. they rather have been 2-1 going into the third period with all six defensemen, including your second-best defenseman in Jake Wallman, or 2 nothing and have to go 5-D? Probably the first option I would maybe eh, probably yeah, you, pr- you probably want Jake Wallman in, in for you, I think maybe. Right. So then you go to the second game in Minnesota. What happened there? The Leafs the in the in playing back to backs, when the team's playing back to backs, the part that you can the part of the game that you can most likely take advantage of them is the second half of the game. That's where the middle of the second period the legs start to get tired and the pace noticeably slows most of the time from what I've seen in back-to-backs, right? Where did the Leafs give up the lead? In, in that the second, second half. It's crazy. Only the Leafs. They blew a 3-1 lead in the second half of a game against a team that had played less than 24 hours the day before. I thought that was... Ridiculous. I, I was really not happy about that one. I mean, I understand. Oh, it was off a skate. One of them was off a skate. Whatever. One of them was a weak goal. From but like, how you did just you just cannot about- be doing that? It was, it was bad. And like when you look at it, they dominated the first period. They had the puck mm. a ton in the first period, and yeah. then just the second and third, the numbers back it up too. They got dominated in the first and second period against Detroit. The numbers back it up too. They got not dominated. They didn't give up much, but they got nothing in that game. They just looked very disjointed against Detroit. So overall, how do you, like, how do you feel? We're now almost 20 games in. We're what? 17 games into the season. The Leafs are 10, five and two. They're on a four game winning streak. A lot of these games feel like incomplete process and they're just they're leaning on the fact that they have some of the best scorers guys that can just turn a game around like that to win these games like i don't know you can think about it two ways that this isn't gonna last and you can't keep doing this and it's gonna bite you in the ass or that we're slowly starting to see something those two good periods that was a sign of things to come that was a sign of what the Leafs can actually do right. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm under the camp that like, okay, there were, there were two fantastic periods where they blew the other team out of the water. I want to see a little bit more of that. I think they can provide more of that, even with, you know, a ragtag defense that they kind of got right now Yeah, with no uh, Timothy Lilgren and John Klingberg seems to be, that was another story of the trip. I've, Forgot to mention it all. John Klingberg just, seems like he's missing a lot of time. I don't know what the hip injury. 
I think it was Dreger came on Overdrive today and said that they expect him to go to LTIR and be there for a while. So it's ah. like, where did this come from? And like, no offense to Darren, Dreger, dealing with it his whole his whole career, yeah. he said. Yeah, so maybe Dar- maybe Dreg's like I don't know. Dreg's it seems like he usually gets feeded information from a certain side. Um, fed, feeded, fed, yeah, fed information from a certain side. So yeah, like do with that what you will. That information, I wonder who's telling him that. <laughs> like, but it seems uh, like we're not going to see John Klingberg for a pretty long time. I thought that so, pretty and, interesting. And, I like I wasn't foreseeing that after him going. You know, he played against Vancouver, and then all of a sudden. He's injured, right? I mean, like, if, so. if if you're him, you're you're almost okay with it. You still get your money. You still get paid. Like yeah, you get a full okay year to. Re- if he doesn't play, he's not getting a contract next year. It's not a one year deal. Maybe, but he gets a full year to rehab. Like I don't know. Then could, why? Could he's going to get a seven. Uh, he's going to get league min if that. Who knows? Right? Who knows? But I don't think one thing I will say though. I was looking at. He was not playing very well. Yeah, he definitely wasn't playing well for us. And that's an understatement because I was literally, that leads into exactly what I was going to say here. I was looking at with, without stats. And people have noticed, obviously, this team is obviously better without mm-hmm. Ryan Reeves and with John Klingberg. But they're at 2.55 expected goals against this year without John Klingberg and without Ryan Reeves on the ice. Last year, they were at 2.53 expected goals against. So <laughs> it's almost like, like it's been long enough now that it's like, okay, maybe... I don't want to be like, oh, it's all it's all his fault. But mm-hmm. if if we start to see the expected goals for expected goal percentage change, right? Uh, and we're seeing expected goals for say the same, we're gonna we know it's that expected goals against that are gonna start coming down when we've seen it pretty high. I think it was at around three uh, or two point nine ish this year. That's how much of a negative impact. Well, I think it was only 170 minutes of ice time he's played for us, two or two hundred ish minutes of ice time. So it's crazy that you can have that much of a negative impact. On the game here, and I and again, I don't want to be like, oh, it's all the his fault. Yeah. Even he yeah, didn't do so. much on the offensive end, so not, not yeah, not yeah. not enough to to outweigh that. But a, another thing I wanted to touch on was, and we touched on it a bit yesterday, but really happy happy so far with the Legacy and Benoit pairing. I know they split it up, but like just in like serviceable third pairing league minimum players, yeah, I mean, you're not looking for players who are you're just like like a Noah Gregor, like. They just play like they can. Can they play in the NHL? Yes. If so, yes. Then that it's a good deal, right? It makes yeah. me feel. I don't want to say like confident, but comfortable. If like again, there's more injury down the road, um, more major injury down the road that these guys can step in, and, and, I, and I don't expect these guys being on the team in the playoffs as our fifth and sixth defenseman. That's scary, right? But if if something were to happen, let's say in the playoffs, and they're not, then there are seventh and eighth defensemen. I'm like somewhat comfortable that hey, it's not going to be an absolute black hole in, in our own yeah. zone when these guys step on the ice, which is like uh, something that, again, it's tiny, it's small, but it's like important to know. And it's like a good thing for us to have. So remember last year, like the seven, eight defenseman pair was Mac Hollowell and Victor Mette. What happened when yes. they were on the ice together? Like Not there was a couple goals for, because yeah. they just got the puck to Austin Matthews, but like they, they're, they're not, Caved in the thing with yeah. Benoit, like there's some flaws I see. He's obviously not a fleet skater, but the overall results have been pleasantly surprising with him, which I think has been pretty interesting and a big surprise for me. And Lagason too. Lagason, you know, he doesn't shy away. We saw a nice scrum uh, against in the Minnesota game. He's not afraid to throw the body a little bit. He's not afraid to to give guys shots in front of the net, which the Leafs are really, really lacking right now. So. 
they've been they've been well above expectation for me. Yeah. That I and and it's like uh, just a good positive thing to have, positive thing to note. Um yeah, third pairing positive for me. I think those are the biggest stories coming out of Sweden though is the John Klingberg stuff. Uh yeah, crazy. that's just crazy. That's just crazy. Um well yeah. Nylander getting it done in the home country. That was awesome to see. Awesome to see. Here. Um the one thing I will also note no no production from the third and fourth line, but we did see some flashes of it. Like the worst results were in the last game against Minnesota where the expected goals weren't great. But guess what? Yeah. Why did I say that like Joe Biden? No, Minnesota. No, no, you just no 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 you just remind me of like I I'll, I'll tell the story after you're done. Go ahead here. Okay. Anyways, but in that game, two drawn penalties in the first period, one of them that led to one of the Leafs goals. So you're still getting some positives from the fourth line um, uh, throughout, I don't know, throughout these last two games, I will say. Those are good points. And again, that's something we want to keep track of because we saw, like, like we said, without Ryan Reeves on that fourth line, like it's done a lot better. That third line, new look looks better over those last, what, five, six, now seven games. I was laughing because when you said fourth line, it reminded me of a conversation I had when I was watching the Leafs game. I was in Vegas this past weekend. Um, and, uh, I was watching at a sports book and there's a guy who came, came along. He was from Chicago, lived in Toronto though, was born in Toronto most of his life. And he said like, he loves Ryan Reeves as a player. And I, I was like, yeah, that's fine. He's just like, but he's been shit. Fair enough. And he, he, <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know why I'm telling this, but it was hilarious because it's almost like Leaf Na- Leafs nation never changes, but, uh, he's <laughs> like, I don't understand what they're doing with Ryan Reeves though. It's like, if you're not going to play him on the fourth line, like, what do you do with him? I'm like, okay, fair. And then he says like, they need to work him in. They need to give him more confidence. They, he, he should be what? playing. He should be wait, wait, He should be playing shifts with Marner and Matthews on the top line to start the games to set the tone because that's what we need. We need a guy who can set the tone, and that's how they should be utilizing. The NHL first- should investigate the <laughs> Leafs if they're doing that. What? That's, that's why I just started. I guess laughing. you were in I, Vegas. This guy was probably on meth, but no, no, it was. You have to remember these these games were at like eleven o'clock in the morning. This guy's like going about to go for breakfast. Like, yeah, he's <laughs> still it's Vegas. Yeah, maybe, so. maybe he was like a big. Uh, he worked for a big company. Pretty like not not important. What role, you gonna out like him a, now that I? I'm not out him. Maybe I'll out him for saying that Ryan Reeves should be playing <laughs> playing That's on the first crazy. line, which is just crazy. Like, That's no, his guy shouldn't be playing on the home. first line for the Marlies or the Growlers, yeah. let alone the Leafs. Um, before we get off these two two games co- topics, I wanted to break down a couple of clips yes, real quickly. Hopefully this works. We are having some troubles with it earlier, but can you see my screen, Jason? Yes, I can see your screen. Amazing. Okay, so clip one. This is going to be that's that's the, you're on the wrong screen though. You got to share your other screen if you can. If you can't for do that, the love of God, <laughs> it's all, all right. good. It's all good. If you want to just send me those videos, I can drop a uh, Google Drive link. You can send them to me. I can bring oh, them up if are. you want. Unless you got them now, but okay. anyways, should Ryan Reese play on the fourth line? Yes, I can see your screen. You're good. Um, so I wanted to point out. Uh, so there was the breakdown that we posted today where uh, Frankie C was ever so eloquently breaking down how the Leafs were able to get their first goal against Detroit. And he noted a little bit of, you know, defensemen engaging in order to make it possible. And I wanted to show that on this play right here. So this is the Leafs' second goal 
against the Minnesota Wild. It's going to be a, a Marner to Matthew Nye's one-timer in the back of the net. Terrible stick positioning by Marc-Andre Fleury. Questionably was over-challenging on that one. But I'm going to back it up a little bit here, and I want to show you what made this possible. So watch. The Leafs are able to get gain the line. Good zone entry. Giordano over to Marner, and Giordano drives down low. So after he dishes to Marner, he drives down low. Spurgeon has to come up to get Mer- – he probably doesn't have to. He could maybe rely on Johansson there to come up and take Marner here. Johansson should have this passing lane covered. He does not. But now that Giordano's heading down low here, Jacob Middleton in front of the net has to leave Austin Matthews. So now Matthews is wide open in front of the net. Middleton slides over. Frederick Goudreau, number 89 here, is stuck between two players, Matthew Nyes and Austin Matthews. So he comes, creeps down low so that he's able to take away Austin Matthews. What does that do? That opens up Matthew Nyes. Hammer time, baby. Back of the net. And why does that become possible? Because you have four guys, or yeah, you have four guys engaged in the offensive zone, uh, meaning you have the defensemen engaged in the offensive zone. Mm. It creates that mismatch against Minnesota. Guys, you know, aren't going to be 100% on their defensive reads. That's going to open up players. That's a good cross-ice pass. The second thing I wanted to note with this goal, when you watch it from this angle, watch where Nyes is shooting that puck from. It's it's not, it's from the scoring area, I would say, Mm -hmm. but it's not like crazy. But look, why does it become so dangerous? Look how far that puck travels. And that just shows the importance of pre-shot movement and how how much of an impact that has on the goalie. So Flurry, questionable. I, I don't know if he's real over challenging there. I guess he's doing an okay job. Foot, his right foot is way in the white ice there. But look how much uh, ground he has to travel to be able to get this. No wonder his stick. And then I think actually, sneakily, I think Giordano hits his stick a little bit there, and that's what causes it to go between. That's a little gamesmanship from Giordano. But the main point I wanted to show there was look how much ground he has to cover. No wonder he's not able to get it. So Mm. that's just just just, a good example of defensemen engaging and causing mismatches there. If you can quickly rewind to that angle where you had where it was wide, uh, where like the original, where you can see like the original goal, not not this one, the the previous angle there. That's a good point as well. Just quickly just want to touch on Flurry there. Yeah, Flurry, maybe he's out that far challenging. Yeah, leave it right here. Challenging because yeah, that's what he does. They're he's, coming. He yeah, they're coming in with speed, right? You want to challenge as a goalie. So if you, yeah, uh, if you just play this slowly, just watch Matthew Nyes when he drifts out. I just think this is a great thing. Is that he like is always on the back of uh, Gaudreau there, so that he does. <laughs> he never really knows where he is until that last second. Look, when Gaudreau kind of looks away from the puck, he slips out and like flares just a little bit out, so Gaudreau can't. It, he's essentially in Gaudreau's blind spot there, and mm-hmm. that's like what opens it up for him too. So. Uh, good exactly. little flare up by Nyes. Good positioning, like you mentioned there. Good stuff. So from the same game, oh, this is a great save. But from the same game, I wanted to show another def- defenseman engage from who else? Mark Giordano. Yet again, this is a post or crossbar that should have been a goal. I don't know how this puck does not go in the net, but it's made possible again, Mark Giordano. So watch this great zone entry from William Nylander helps to push the D back a little bit. He dishes to Taveras. So you have a three on two ish here, but you have Tyler Bertuzzi in this area 
you can't really see them quite yet. So four, eh, four on four, we'll call it. But what I want to highlight here is Mark Giordano's at the far side. He's on Nylander's left wing. So because he drives down low, well, he drives down low on this shot and he's wide open for the rebound there. And somehow it skips over his stick. But backing that up a little bit. So Nylander drives, backs up the defenseman a little bit. Tavares gets this puck. And watch. So it, it's a, a split second decision. I'm not blaming Tavares for not getting this to Mark Giordano. As you can clearly see a lane to do so. But he's he rips it on this one. But he has options. And why is that? Giordano's engaging. Off the rush, he's going straight to the net. He's causing that confusion for the Minnesota Wild. Watch. So I think this is Jake Middleton takes Tavares here. The other defenseman, I believe that's Spurgeon, tries to cut off William Nylander here. Giordano's wide open. Why? Because when you watch Frederick Goudreau again, he's drifting into the zone. He turns his head. He thinks, I've got Bertuzzi. By the time he turns back, he actually realizes, oh, no, I should have Giordano. And it's a wide open chance. But again, defenseman engaging, causing that mismatch. I won't spend too much time. That's on a great the example of Detroit that as well. One, but Frankie C pointed this one out as well. So this was Nylander just doing sick, sick things along the wall here where he just, I don't know, like, look how much space this guy had to collect this puck. Zero. Look how close he comes to the line. Dusted. Who is that? I don't even know. I think that was Andrew Kopp or something. Dusts Andrew Kopp. But Giordano creeping in down low causes that kind of confusion from Shane Gosses Bear here. Gosses Bear has Tyler Bertuzzi at this point, right? But then he takes a look and goes, oh, no, I got to take Mark Giordano. What does that do when he tries to take Mark Giordano? That leaves Bertuzzi wide open. He tries to get back. Bertuzzi out muscles up. So those were three plays from Mark Giordano. You know, I think he only resulted in one point, but three fantastic plays from Mark Giordano that resulted in two a, a crossbar that could have been a goal and two goals. Mm -hmm. And then the last, last play that I wanted to highlight from this trip, I know these aren't like the sexiest plays from the trip. There were some better ones, but yeah, I want to highlight Joseph Wool on this save here. Oh my goodness, this is difficult. So I'm going to play it through to pass from Zuccarello to Kirill Kaprizov. Ever heard of him? Uh, basically on a breakaway. I don't know what the hell the Leafs were doing on defense here. And watch this save from Joseph Wall on the breakaway. If gets the fake, gets the, I think it hits his shaft, but he comes across and he's able to stretch out like a slinky and he's able to make that save. The that reason this is so difficult. So watch the pass. The pass comes in. It comes into a high danger area. If he doesn't read this properly, like I wouldn't, it's not crazy that he would slide on this play, right? Mm -hmm. It's coming into yeah. a high danger area. Why wouldn't this be a quick shot? But he knows that Kaprizov has, he knows beforehand, Kaprizov has time and space on this one. He doesn't have to shoot it right away. So I'm going to get in position on this one. He stays extreme like strong 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 on his edges here he's able to stay up he gets faked out a little bit but because he's so strong on his feet he's able to come back stretch out and make that save this is so difficult 
because it's a difficult, not because of the athleticism. The athleticism is one thing. It is difficult because of the athleticism, but also the read is spot on. You cannot get a better read on this play pretty much. And that's why he's able to make that save. Crazy. Yeah, it was fantastic, fantastic save from him there. And I was going to ask if, um, if, uh, what was it? The, the, he, he, he seems Joseph. Well, I don't want to say like, I don't want, let me, I'm trying to find the correct words to describe this, but he seems like he doesn't want to go down. Like we noticed problems with Samsonov was that on the post, he would always kind of go to the RVH position when there are times where he shouldn't be. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, that's a good call. And I and I and just from watching that clip, I know that's not the RVH, but you can tell how how comfortable Wall is on his edges, on his feet, and he will literally wait until the last second until he has to go down into that butterfly position. It's just a good so read. Like, that's why. Yeah. Like okay. if you overreact on that play, yeah. that's a slide, and then you're scrambling, and Kaprizov's just going to put that right around you. Um, Comfortably on his feet. I, I guess you could say that. Yeah, it's just, it's really strong edges. And it's a really good read. Mm-hmm. To talk a little bit about the goaltending this weekend, it was to close this all off. The goaltending I thought was really strange because Samsonov gave up two against Detroit. One of them was a penalty shot where he just got burned pretty much. Just got to, you know, kind of a, put on his ass on that one, right? Yeah. And then the other one was that really weak goal that I was not happy about where uh, Raymond gets the puck. He's in the circle well above that golden triangle that I highlighted on Twitter where he should not be in the RVH. He gives up that whole far right side. It was just terrible, terrible goal. And when you see that highlight Quinn Hughes goal that's going around, oh, he comes across, he goes far side on the goalie. The goalie is not only in RVH when he shouldn't be, he's trying to play the pass. So he just gives up the whole far right side of the net. So it's like, okay, that's, you're not going to score too many easier ones in the NHL. But, and then Joseph Wool, the first goal against Minnesota, he misplays the pass coming up. It kind of he slides instead of pushes, T pushes on his feet. And that kind of puts him out of position. And then he reacts oddly to the shot. I didn't understand it. That's just one you got to stop. So there's two mm-hmm. weak goals. But overall, they made some good saves. It's a little bit up and down. But I think overall, the goaltending was pretty good this weekend if you're happy with the goaltending i'm also happy with the goaltending i think that's a yeah. good Shout i think out. you're a fair barometer of goaltending for probably on the, the more for the team side, but yeah 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 um, and, you know, those are the games from this weekend those are my thoughts all right let's Let's get into the Nylander contract. Before we do, we want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors over at DraftKings. Bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. They offer everything from game props, player props, goal scorer props, shot shot on goal props, goalie props, everything you're looking for. They also have some futures available. So if you want to bet on the Leafs to win the Stanley Cup, it looks like they're at 12 to 1 right now. Uh, yeah, you can go scoop them up over at DraftKings.com. And when you do scoop them up over at DraftKings.com, make sure you're using code THPN when signing up. Download the app now. Use code THPN. New customers can get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets just for betting $5 on hockey. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK 467-369. In Connecticut, 
Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus specs expire 168 hours after issuance. cdkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gambling resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Uh, beautiful. Good little ad read there. <laughs> Agreed. Always. Let's get into Nylander. Shall we? Let's do so, it. So, it's been the talk of the town. How are they going to sign out? How are they going to re-sign him? What cap space do they have? How can they re-sign William Nylander? Blah, 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 blah. We also wanted to highlight did you look up is Elias Peterson? He's a Elias UFA. Peterson is not a UFA. He is an RFA. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can I have a list of all the available UFAs coming into next year. And it's important to note the difference between UFAs and RFAs. People don't like to do that when they talk about contracts. Completely different situations, right? Having the option and ability to walk is massive leverage over a team, as we saw with Johnny Gaudreau and just choosing to walk is how it's just like a, a massive thing that should be accounted for that. It feels like a lot of people don't really account for here. So if uh, should I bring this up on the screen or uh, here, let's let me just, I can just read through them because there's not too many and I'm okay. just sorting by points right now. Obviously right now, William Nylander points per game played is among the top of these players, right? Mm-hmm. 27 points, 17 games played 1.59 points per game play but very close behind someone you brought up someone who i believe frankie Corrado brought up on twitter today sam reinhardt who has 18 yep. or in 18 games has 25 points and he has 13 goals he has one more goal than william nylander here he's at 1.39 point per game so if we're gonna listen if we're gonna be talking about william nylander like that i want to hear us talk about sam reinhardt like that if we're if you're truly a leafs fan you start talking about sam reinhardt and on top of that there's another guy out out in pittsburgh who's in a UFA next year. He's pretty darn good. His name is Jake Gensel. 21 points, 17 games, 1.24 points per game. Guy's a player. Guy is a player. And those guys are all in the 28, 29 range. After that, a couple guys who are in their 30s who are at around one point per game. You got Steven Stamkos. You got Joe Pavelski. You got Tyler Toffoli. And then from there, starts Matthew to Shane. Taper, taper off. Man, yeah, J- JVR's got 13 JVR. 17. Good for him. Johnny Marsh's show, uh, Sean Monahan's got 13 points. I don't know how he did that. Vlad Tarasenko, and then obviously we got Elias Lindholm. Who Elias Lindholm's having... a big one. That's a big, big one. I don't know what they're going to do in Calgary with him. Yeah, I but I, th- do in Calgary. <laughs> I think the most important thing is the Sam Reinhardt, Jake Gensel, William Nylander. They're all incredibly comparable because guess what? They're all wingers too, right? It gets a little sticky when you bring in that center position, but they're all wingers. They're all prolific scorers. Chandler Stevenson's and a center that's going to be available. That's true. That's a good they extended one. him. No, I don't think so. I, I I don't think this includes players who are not extended. Yeah, he's he's been criminally underpaid, criminally underpaid for several years. So good to see. I hope he gets a big payday there. But yeah, I I think we're looking at in terms of comparables. Again, Sam Reinhart there. They were in the same draft. Jake Gensel. Again, that's another one. He's a fantastic player too. Uh, and then there's 
older guys, different circumstances, different whatever, not not guys that are just also not as good, right? Mm-hmm. So how much are these guys going to get? The cap is supposed to go up five mil. We're assuming as it sits right now on uh, right meow on November 22nd that the cap is going to go up next year by five million dollars. Probably more after that too, right? I don't know why, but who knows? Maybe this stupid international tournament works or whatever the hell they're doing. But what's a fair deal for these guys? What's the fair deal for Sam Reinhardt? I dug into Sam Reinhardt's numbers a little bit. So last year was an interesting year. I think he ended up with like 57 points. Correct me if I'm, I'm wrong on that one. Probably wrong. Uh, Reinhardt with 57 points last year. Got Sam Reinhardt points had last year in 82 games, 31 goals, 36 30. assists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With the year before, he had 82 goals? points, though. Point per game player, 33 goals again. But when you look at last season, where did all the production come from? It was the power play. He had 29 mm. five-on-five points last year. Why is that? Is he a reliable five-on-five player? How can you just rely on the power play? Well, when you look at the five-on-five numbers, on-ice shooting percentage – of six percent a pdo of 970 i believe it was and his shooting percentage himself was around six percent that's just wildly unlucky hockey right there it was bound to go up that it really should have been you can't call him a bounce back player i suppose because like Mm -hmm. 67 points is still good but he was going to be on on the rise a little bit right I took a look at this year at five on five. He's shooting 20%. That's coming down right now. As it sits, he has the same amount of points as William Nylander at five on five. He's shooting 20% though. Nylander. I don't believe is Nylander overall is shooting like 14% on the power plays where it's a little bit more sustainable. It's at 26%. He's hit, believe it or not, listen to this. So last season he was, this season he's 26. Last season, I think he was 20 in Buffalo. And this, sorry, the season before that, and one season in Buffalo, he's hit over 40% shooting percentage. Two seasons ago, he was at 40% shooting on the power play, 16 goals. That's insane. But so this year, the the power play shooting percentage is, is, I would say, somewhat sustainable. Five on five, it's going to come down. Uh, his PDO is 106. So the points percentage, or the points per game for Sam Reinhardt, I think is going to be coming down. William Nylander probably a little bit too, but I think Reinhardt's riding a little bit high right now. I will say that. Yeah. So that's, those are the numbers on him. That's a, that's a fair thing to say, fair thing to assess. I'm curious what – I wish you jumped – lumped – lumped Jake Gensel into this as well because he would have been an interesting case study here because he's also kind of had uh he's had 40 goal seasons though he's had he's had a more progressive career not progressive more consistent I want to say I don't don't, yeah yeah like more consistent career points wise where he's always scoring again but could that just be a factor of him listen he's a great player but he also has the fortune of playing with Sidney Crosby for his entire career right that definitely helps you out and you remember his coming out party in the playoffs where, um, yeah, where, uh, uh, I mean, he, I think he had like 24 points in like 26 games, something crazy like that, playing with yeah. Sidney Crosby throughout the run here. Um, 
it's funny. What number do you think that like that Nylander should get paid here? Because I've seen a bunch of numbers floating around. And I think the highest I've seen is eleven five, and I honestly think that's just wrong. And I'll I'll tell you I'll tell you why right now. It's because David Pasternak signed a deal this past year, right? Mm-hmm. Contract kicked in. He makes eleven two five, right? But we don't care about the amount they make. What what ha- what needs to happen when you talk about contracts is it needs to be contextualized because these guys sign deals. A deal that signed five years ago is not the same as a deal being signed today. Just as a year, uh, mm-hmm. if we fast forward a year to the off season, right? Uh, the deal that William Nylander signs the offseason, it's not going to be the same context that David Pasternak signed in um, in this past year, right? So David Pasternak's contract, he made 13.64% of the cap. That last year was equal to $11.25 million. This upcoming year, this new year, when the cap is now eight eighty-seven uh, million million, that would mean, that would bring a cap hit equal to David Pasternak. That would bring it up to $11.935 million, almost $12 million. So I think the the number I saw floated around was eleven five. You have to ask yourself, is William Nylander better than David Pasternak? Is he the same as David Pasternak? Unfortunately, I think those answers are no. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. So if if, if that's the case, he should not be making 11.9, right? If we look back at other deals, right? I have I've compiled a list of all all players who signed seven seven to eight year deals over the last six years seven years that are wingers. It's again important to contextualize wingers because being a center, you get paid a little bit more. Yeah. Um, next, the next highest guy on this list was Jonathan Huberto. Jonathan Huberto, twelve point seven three percent of the cap hit at the time. That's ten point five million dollars. But if we're looking at next year's cap, that's eleven point one three eight million dollars. Right? Do we think that William Nylander right now? Listen, forget what you know about Jonathan Huberto post him signing the deal because that's not fair. That is not a fair way to. He had 115 points in the previous year, and listen, you could say that maybe he was inconsistent because he had 61 points in 55 games the year before, 78 and 69. He has been a point per game player plus a lot plus that um, in his last three years, four years, sorry, with the Florida Panthers, like. Is that what is that what William Nylander is worth? Because that'd be eleven point one eight million dollars, and I don't think he's there yet either. And it's going to sound crazy to hear, but I think the closest comparable to all these guys is going to be what Jeff Skinner got at eleven point three two percent of the cap hit. Jeff Skinner got uh, nine million dollars at the time of signing, and eleven point three two percent of that eighty seven million dollars is going to fall around nine point nine zero five, at around ten million dollars. And if you look at Jeff Skinner's career. Like you mentioned there, with uh, uh, with his with his points beforehand, I mean it's not as pretty as some of these guys are, but I think where where William Nylander, where Sam Reinhart will lie, has to be around this Jeff Skinner, John between the Jeff Skinner and Jonathan Huberto range, so it's between around thirteen and eleven yes. percent. So, hey, I don't know, <laughs> I, I don't have the answers. I've seen 11.5 float around. That's crazy. 11.5. That's crazy. That's too much. I think that's too much. But my, like, ju- like yeah, the cap going give, up. I wouldn't give Sam Reinhardt 10. Like that's just obscene. But, but would like we that that Skinner contract at the time felt rich too, Cooper, right? Like yeah, that's the thing. Like, I, I think Reinhardt. 
maybe one, not one exactly, more... but is more close. Is probably Reinhardt's definitely closer to Skinner than he is Huberto. I, I it's weird because it was a vast overpay at the time for Skinner. It was just yeah. a 140 goal season. He was playing with Eichel and he stinks defensively, always has, always will. And then they gave him nine by eight. And then the next coach decided that he was bad or something. I don't know. That, that next yeah, but, coach but then to, to be fair bad. to Jeff Skinner, though, after that coach steps in, he does have a 63 point season in 80 games. Last year, he had 82 points in 79 yeah. games. He's come right? back to life. He's, come back. But yeah. that's, but. I want, I, I'm happy you brought that up because that's also something that people listen. It's, it's not fun to say when a guy is playing so fantastic, but these guys will not play like this forever, unfortunately. Yeah. Right. And we talked about this on the off season during the off season with Kevin Petty talking about extending William Nylander, what it would look like. And I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he said like, I, I, I don't think he anticipated Nylander. I don't think anyone anticipated Nylander playing like this, but there is an inherent risk signing a 28 year old to an, eight-year deal you're gonna have him till he's 36 years old that is a, a massive risk and you need to be almost 100 percent certain that he will outperform that 11 10 9 8 whatever you want to pay him you better be certain that he's gonna outperform that cap hit for at the very least the first four years because if not it's, it's it does not it's not gonna look good and yeah. and that's it's like almost perpetual what we see it with these nhl contracts with these guys who are coming up on 27 28 years old they're ufas and they sign these massive deals and the teams sometimes are left on the ringer it's funnily enough sorry one more thing a couple of the guys on this list have already been bought out jvr was on this list got bought out no, he uh matt oh his contract expired sorry matt duchene is on this list he got, got scratched though jvr was a terrible contract yeah that was bad that was bad evander kane technically not bought out but terminated Basically bought out because they were allowed to terminate his, or allowed to terminate his contract. Yeah, and I'm sure different circumstances. Look, I mean, but yeah. at the at I don't the think, least, I think William Nylander hasn't made too many trips to the casino. I think we're it's fair to, to assume that. And I'm not saying he's going to get bought out here. I'm not going to say that. Like, but like it's it's a it's a inherent risk that's involved with signing these guys. So where it lies, I don't know. It's like it's a good topic of debate. I think some people are running out with some crazy numbers off a hot, off to an incredibly hot start to the year. But again, that's the city we live in. So it's like, that's, that's what we got to deal with. I don't know why no one's talking about Sam Reinhardt the same way. They're basically two points apart. Like we said before, one basically game they are. <laughs> they're the same. They're the exact same right now. So, I mean, yeah, who knows? Yeah. Especially like Reinhardt, as I mentioned, took that step back last year, like 60, he went from 82 to 67, but it's like, he had a similar number of points as Nylander two years ago. Yeah. They're pretty close in age as well. They're completely different players. Like obviously Sam Reinhardt doesn't have the, the skating ability of, of William Nylander. And I don't know. I don't know. I haven't watched Sam Reinhardt close enough to, to be making judgments here, but um, in terms of what you mentioned, it, it is a very, very valid point. Reinhardt has 25 and 18. Nylander is 27. And we're not really talking about, how is Florida going to resign, resign Sam Reinhardt? Right. I will say this at the, I think at the end of the year, Nylander will have wait, uh, more points than Sam Reinhardt. I don't think that's a hot Pro take. And listen, Reinhardt's coming, it's his point totals coming down. That's where, you know, but I, the thing is, and you mentioned, why aren't people talking about this? I don't think they're smart enough to realize that Reinhardt's point total is going to be coming down. Just like the Vancouver Canucks are going to be coming back down to earth pretty soon. Yeah. Right. And then 
I mean, like you mentioned before as well, the shooting percentage off the charts, 25%. But just looking at these... 20, uh, 20 at 5 on 5, though. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. That's I have 20. 25 I have overall, probably. 25 overall, yeah. I have that's 25 here. So, 25% something that's been, like at all situations, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's ridiculous. That's, <laughs> but that's ridiculous. Something that's even more interesting slash ridiculous, 17 games played, 21 points for... Jake Gensel, he only has six goals and is shooting 11%. That's not Jake Gensel. That's going to come up. Okay, you want to hear something crazy? At five on five, he's shooting 14.29%. Gensel. Yeah. I'm looking at six goals. He has six goals at five on five. Zero goals on the power play. That's crazy. What the hell's going on in the power play there? (laughs) That's odd. That's that's a weird one. That's that's something don't smell right with that, but... uh, 11 shots, zero goals. But I will say, just looking at the numbers here, Gensel's shooting at 14 14 and change at uh, five on five. I mean, that's not out of the ordinary. Last year, it took a dip to 10.67. But in years prior to that, 13.59, 13.19, 13.83, we have a 17 percenter in here over 82 games, too. Wow. That was just 31, 31 five on five goals that year. But yeah, he's. He's a good goal scorer, especially at five on five. Um, just a good overall player. Five on five this year, he has 14 points in 17 games. It's one of the tops in the league. Yeah. Give him 12. Exactly. Again, that's not, feel- he's not much older. He's a 94, late 94. You're older. You're, uh, You're older than Sam Reinhart, a year and a bit older than William Nylander. Yeah, we'll be 29 at the start of the regular season next year, 28 for Reinhart and 28 for Nylander at the start of the regular season. Next year, listen. We probably brought brought more questions than answers to the table regarding this contract discussion. I think yeah. we've ruled out we've ruled out some numbers, but also created a range. The issue is, I, I find with like conceptualizing and thinking, yes, it's going to be this number. Is that like eight is becoming the new or nine is becoming the new eight, and eight is the new seven? And so when you hear it's getting ten mil, it's like. Whoa, whoa, hey, relax. And but then you realize I've, oh yeah, yeah. the cap's going up. So exactly. And I forget what it's called, but like obviously you've seen this in if you've ever inflation. been to a grocery store. Uh the inflation. ninety like no, not inflation, but like things cost ninety nine cents. Why is something one ninety nine instead of it being two dollars? Because someone is more willing to buy something that's one ninety nine than it is two dollars. It's a cost. Uh, it's I forget I forget what that's called. Anyways. It's just that that concept of like going up to the next, like from nine to ten, is just a big logical leap for people. When realistically, yeah. it's only a, a a dollar difference, right? So, or sorry, a one cent difference here. And also, um, you got to think. So, Nylander signs for next season. What at, at X number, right? Yes. So that year is going to be a tight crunch because it's Matthews at thirteen two five. I think it is. Marner's going to be still there at 10, nine Tavares is going to be there at 11 and then Nylander's going to be there at X, but the next season Tavares is going to be up. I mean, 35 year old John Tavares, if he's coming back, he's not coming back at 11. I'd have a hard time believing that John Tavares signs over seven. I think he he would want to win. He's the captain of this team. I think five, like we saw Pavelski do it. Five mil. Five. That would be like, Five or five, six, five, five, three, That's three, five three. mil off the cap. Yeah, yeah. right. So Plus the that cap going should up help. Too. Yeah, and that again. But I, I, 
maybe I'm wrong in thinking this, and I agree with the logic. It makes sense, but like I don't even think that this should be a dis. Like, if you're negotiating this with the William Nylander, this shouldn't even be a topic of conversation. What other people do, so you got to do like what, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but I think the team will throw out but, there like, hey, Goudreau, Goudreau got under ten. He put up yeah, hundred some odd points. He's that's a, true. like, you both don't play defense. You're both good transition transitional players. You know. That's and, interesting. Thing. I mentioned yeah. the other two players, five on five numbers. I didn't actually talk about Nylanders. Right now, he's got five goals, six assists at five on five. Yeah, no, he was the topic of conversation, and we didn't even talk about his numbers. But shooting 11, three, six at five on five. Career, I don't have the career number in front of me, but last year he was at 10, seven, eight. The year before, nine, nine, four. The year before that, 11, four, six. So it's not really that juiced. But the interesting thing, the, the number that sticks out, individual points percentage, meaning the percentage of goals that scored when he's on the ice, what percent did he get points on? 91.67. So he is in on a lot of the goals being scored. Um, and then the last number that I want to take a look at here is his PDO. That will determine... Um, is it going up or down in terms of overall points? And get this. 8.11% on ice shooting percentage, a 975 PDO. That's, That's good. That's interesting. crazy. I think, but the save percentage under 900. So this, like, yes. that should come. It's, it's like when you look at these numbers, like I They're mentioned not, with Reinhardt, 106 PDO, shooting 25% overall, 20% at five on five. Like Nylander shooting 11% at five on five. He's got an on-ice shooting percentage of 8.11. Like, to be fair, he's been on the ice for more goals against than goals for at five on five. So that's where I think it will even out a little bit. Like I think mm-hmm. the goals against should be going down. Should, knock on wood. But it's not. It's, there's nothing there really that's screaming like this is unsustainable. Aggression, so yeah. I yeah. think, like in terms of the comparison, Nylander to Sam Reinhardt, I think Sam Reinhardt's numbers are just pretty inflated right now. We're going to see that gap start to to increase pretty soon. But yeah, it was yeah, a nice little numbers deep dive. I like it. It was good. And we I didn't hope- give a number. What What do you think? What's his name? Gets Gensel gets, and what do you think Reinhardt gets? So it's I, I quickly looked it up. The ninety nine cents thing is called left digit bias. Like we said, people are just more would rather pay one cent. Or I, I don't know. Anyways, people are less willing to pay the difference of one cent if they think it's four ninety nine. Gensel on a shooting percentage eleven point seven three, on a save percentage eight nine six six. Pretty brutal. PDO of one oh one. So. Yeah, with him, his numbers are probably a little more sustainable than what we're seeing from Reinhardt between the three of those guys. I think if we're going to rank who makes the most money to who makes the least, it's going to be Gensel, Nylander, then Reinhardt. That's my guess. Gensel, number one. Yes. Yeah. I think Gensel... Really? Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I don't know. I just have a weird feeling that Gensel will probably make more. I think he has this Nylander because he's played for the Leafs has the stigma attached to him that he is not 
a playoff performer. I that's that's my that's my logic. And people see <laughs> people see Jake Kensel and he he's won a Stanley Cup. So hey, that's that's the logic. I listen What's stigma. What are you talking about? Michael Bunting just got four and a half. He's playing fourth line right now. I don't know. Jack Campbell just, got five by five. Where's Jack Campbell is currently in Bakersfield. Do you know where Bakersfield is? I don't know where Bakersfield is. I don't know is. where Bakersfield is. I have no idea where Bakers, the Condors are playing out of. There's no stench from the Leafs. So they can't get it done in the playoffs. If you've been watching, he's been playing pretty well in the playoffs. Yeah, no, I agree, but uh, but I will say this: feels like there's a stigma. Gensel and his, his Gensel's numbers compared to Nylander's are very close. Very close. So, very and, close. Interesting. Yeah. Um, like I mean, over the past few years, like last year he was seventy three and seventy eight. Nylander was eighty seven. I want to say the year before that, Gensel was eighty four and seventy six. Nylander was eighty and eighty. I want to say so. Is somewhat close there. And then as we mentioned with Reinhardt, he was 82-67, and then now he's at 25. So if I were to rank it, it's definitely, to me, one, 100% Nylander number one. No doubt in my mind. Number two, who gets more, Gensel or Reinhardt? Ah, it's a tough one. If I were to guess, I'm going to go with Gensel gets more. Gensel and then Reinhardt. That'll be an interesting one to watch out for. That's a good pick. I forgot about Gensel. More, I mean, listen, it goes a little deeper back into the career, but more career points at five on five than William Nylander. William Nylander obviously started off a lot slower. If you take the last four years, though, they're basically identical. Basically, it's it's shocking. What is it? Do you have it in front of you? Uh... I don't have the five on five numbers nah, in front of me. Fine. Just what's the just overall? did some mental math there, but uh oh. all right, it's all good. Yeah. So um, shall we get into some other metrics that we found? Yeah, let's get into some other metrics that we found. But before we do, we want to quickly talk to you about Raycon holiday season is starting soon, and it's time to get that early shopping out of the way. Take care of it now before the crowds. And pack calendars make shopping an absolute total nightmare, especially when you can get some of the best deals of the season before Black Friday. You can shop Raycon products right now and save up to 50% because their early Black Friday sale is going on right now. You've heard us talk about the Raycon products before. Talked about their earbuds, long-lasting 32-hour battery life earbuds. Great stuff there. They made... This company, Raycon, first made a name for themselves in the audio space with the products like the Everyday Earbuds. As I just mentioned, 32-hour battery life, perfect in your fit for all-day wear and lasting comfort. This past year, they've also expanded their business to uh, incorporate a the to include the Raycon Home and the Raycon PowerTech. Uh, it's kind of like you know all those home products. They also have a five-star reviewed Magic 180 cable allows you to charge iOS, micro USB, and Type-C devices eight times faster with 100-watt power delivery. They also have a faucet filter, ultra filters the water in your tap against chlorine and heavy metals. It's a must-have for ensuring the water you use your face, you, excuse me, you wash your face and brush your teeth with is actually clean. Raycon is known for delivering high-quality and thoughtful features at half the price of other premium tech brands. No wonder their products 
have racked up tens of thousands of five-star reviews to get everyone in the holiday shopping spirit. Bit early here, Raycon is doing us a huge favor and is currently offering 20% off of everything on their site with select products up to 50% off. That's 20% off everything and up to 50% off of some select products there. Beat the crowd, save now. Trust me, you do not want to miss out on Raycon's early Black Friday sale. Hurry now to buyraycon.com slash THPN to get 20 to 50% off site-wide. That is buyraycon.com slash THPN to score up to 50% off Raycon products. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. So let's product. make this one quick. There was an article that came out from Justin Bourne. He was talking about some numbers that he dug up from Sport Logic. Jason, do you have the article in front of you? I do, yes. Which numbers are you looking for here? So essentially to summarize what he was saying, he was saying that compared to last year, the Leafs defensemen in terms of, what is it, their gap control at the blue line. So opposing players coming in, What's the distance from the puck carrier to the Leafs defenseman on that entry? Excuse me. Right. Yeah. Is that, that's, that is that's correct. what it is, right? Yes. So he was saying that compared to last year, defensemen that were returning as well, it seems that there's the gap has, is widened, has widened. So he's, he's showing that Brody is first on the Leafs at 12.9 feet. Uh, that's 149th in the league, though. And Mark Giordano is almost dead last. He is saying, though, he does say mention in this one that John Klingberg, his gap isn't that bad, but he still gives up a lot off the rush. But I wanted to discuss this one a little bit because is gap like does gap control at the blue line really have that much of a correlation between giving up chances? The Leafs currently right now, Jason, correct me if I'm wrong, it's 23rd yep. in the lead in the league in giving up chances off the rush. So they're not great, right? They are 28th in the league at slot shots off of the rush, but um they are 23rd in the league in D zone denial percentage. So um both are pretty bad. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Hey. So that is an area. <laughs> Like in terms of denying at the line, like you look at guys that are good. He mentions in this article, Alexiak is really good. Who's the other name he gave? Chernak should Alexiak be in there for sure. And I'm trying to find it right now. Sorry. Oh, good. Is Alexiak and Pesci? And Brett Pesci, so two pretty good defensive defensemen. I, I'm sure Chernak is up there as well. He's really good at the denying the line too. So that's an area that the Leafs really need to target. Like that was one that I thought was quite interesting. The gap part, I guess, yeah, that is a symptom of not being very good at controlling the line. Or sorry, it's a, the, the gap part is, is a symptom of not being able to control, you know, chances and such. And it is showing that. Um, it's not the one I 100% look at. The one thing that I like just from eye tests from watching the Leafs, especially this past weekend, uh, and especially against Minnesota is their ability to interrupt cycles seems to not be that great because there's times it seems like the Leafs are getting like the, the other team's getting the puck. They're not really giving up that great a chance 
but they're just not able to get it back. And when you look at some of the goals, look at like some of the goals from against Buffalo, look at some of the goals against Minnesota. Um, some of these other screen goals, tip goals, they're not great goals. They're shitty goals, but why are they occurring? Because the Leafs are unable to stop the cycle. And I, I want to dig into, and I'm not hundred percent sure at this, is that more of a forward thing? Is that more of a defense thing? So that is also something to keep an eye on, but yeah, we and- have a chart here. Yeah, so I'm going to bring up the chart here in a second because I sent you a chart, right? And it's it's interesting because I thought actually they were referencing the same stats and I was wrong, right? So I think it was the least are, he said, 28th in giving up. Um, at li- They're 28th at limiting shots off the rush, right? Or sorry, slot shots off the rush, which is not good. But also, I feel like that's kind of deceptive because this is a this is a little chart that Megan Chica posted on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they also use sports sports logic. No, they might have a this different. Is, this is Stathletes. Stathletes, sorry. Me- Megan Chica is Stathletes. <laughs> she is Stathletes. Yes, she is yes. the Stathletes. Um, but uh, the y-axis here is scoring chances against per off the rush. Excuse me, rush scoring chances against per game. So mm-hmm. if you look at this chart, you can see the Leafs are well. I, around median, around 15th probably in the league, right? If you just quickly count theirs up, there's probably 10 plus, 13 plus teams above them in that area. And they're like around the same as a lot of other teams. They are probably ahead or exactly on the league median of rush shots against. So <laughs> that to me feels a little deceptive the way that he, and I don't yeah. know if this is obviously, I'm not saying that uh, JT Bourne intentionally did this, right? But that to me feels a little deceptive because he specifically used rush chances from the slot, right? When you could have used, and I'm sure Sports Logic has this data, uh, just scoring chances in general generated off of the rush, not just shots from the slot, right? So um, that felt a little deceptive to me. And it's a good point that you brought up about the cycle because, like we said here, look, the Leafs are actually one of the worst teams at allowing scoring chances off of the cycle. Also, just a small side note, how bad are the San Jose Sharks? They're almost a full a disaster, almost a full one to two chances per game uh, from the slot. Or, excuse, and I mean, also you look at it, cycle Crazy. chances against Ottawa is way ahead of the Leafs on this one too. Yeah. Oh man, that's brutal. And they're, they, they're worse at uh, rush chances against too. Florida yeah. Panthers are denying everything. This is insane. It's crazy. Uh, but this is also glad and Montour to take the season off. Oh my God. This also points to something important though, is that hockey has a lot of variance involved in it. And you need all like you need as big of sample as possible before you can come to conclusions. That's why I've been saying every week I come on and say, listen, I'm not concerned about the Leafs until game 40, 50, 60, because then we can have the proper like a, a, a correct sample to look and analyze the data. What is the correct sample? I don't know, but the more sample size, the better for me. Um, but yeah, like I listen, if we were to do a buy and sell on, on the meaning, meaningfulness of gap control, I'm selling that to me. I don't think that matters because again, we don't know how that like What if having a greater gap correlates to creating, uh, to creating more dumpings, right? That's good. That's much better than a possession entry, right? And it's also a gap when they pick... The, the the gap is measured when a player picks up the puck. So what if the gap isn't there three seconds after that player has picked up the puck, right? So there's a tons of things that you can look into and there's tons of things that you can almost break down uh, mm-hmm. in this article here. Again, listen, 
I don't want to I don't want to shit on this article cuz I actually appreciate these statistical analysis that they yeah. do cuz it's he's not presenting it like this is an issue this is a massive problem the suck it blow it's like you know what he's taking a look at numbers and he's trying to come to a conclusion Cre- he creates a hypothesis looks at numbers and tries to come co- to a conclusion from those numbers which is what we should be seeing from articles so you know what kudos to JT Bourne but I just am selling the thought of gap control being important so the one thing that I will also bring up there and where I do think gap control is important, whether it correlates gap distance, to the stats. Yeah, gap distance, whether it correlates to actual negative defensive impacts or like positive, or whether it correlates to defensive impacts, I'm not 100% sure. But you also got to think about okay, they have that gap when the other team's entering the zone. Mm-hmm. What is that? What could that lead to though? A cycle chance, yeah. which the Leafs aren't really doing very well with as well. That could start a cycle. I, I wish we did have the, the you remember when Cam Sharon would post on his uh on his website the the stats, the yes, uh, denial stats, stats and the, yeah, those were really, really good. I wish we really had helpful. those still, but we don't. So maybe we could talk to Corey about this and see what the hell's going on with them <laughs> in the defensive zone. But I, it's it's not yeah. it's definitely not clean right now. There's a lot to be desired in the defensive zone. But Connor Timmons is in next game, so we'll see if that does anything. That'll be his first game since the preseason. Yeah, and speaking... Just an interest. Like, it it is something I also wanted to bring up where, like, yeah, you have these stats. Yeah, the Leafs are last in these categories, but what does that correlate to? Yeah. Right? Is that actually correlating to... uh, What does that correlate with, with other teams in terms of, like where we're sitting right now right so it's a discussion point i think it's something interesting to point out to but it's not like a meat and potatoes kind of this is why we're bad defensively so i, I think that the, the, the one thing to point out for next game for next game and for the next few games until next week when we do the podcast again the things to take a look at gap control at the blue line and what it actually leads to yeah that's number one Number two is how well the Leafs are interrupting the cycle. Who is missing opportunities to interrupt cycles? And why are they not good at it? Or something. I don't know. And they're not clearing the front of the net for sure. That's one thing I'm, I've had issues with so far this year. They're, they don't clear the net. Three net things to keep the eye well. on. Three things to keep an eye on in the defensive zone, like you said there. I love that. Watch the front of the net. Watch what happens when teams enter our zone, where our defensemen are. Find if there's like a correlation to them getting chances. And what off of happens that. next after that? Yeah. And what happens next after that? And trying to break up the cycle. Listen, I talked about this. We talked about this before. We lost multiple key defensive zone players in this mm-hmm. past offseason, right? It's going to be an adjustment period for this team not having those guys in our own zone. Listen, not going to affect us at all in the offensive zone. Hasn't affected us all in the offensive zone, but it has affected us in the defensive zone. So it'll be cool to see how that uh how that plays out there. Uh you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Connor Timmons coming back first game back yep. supposed to be back this Friday against Chicago reminder to yep. everyone this game is at 2 p.m. don't get tripped out here with the timing and yeah. stuff Friday at 2 p.m. Leafs are in Chicago then they go back to back on Saturday 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. play the Pittsburgh Penguins in Pittsburgh Saturday yes sir wow. a lot of fun gonna be a lot of fun uh, if you were able, listen, I, I I wouldn't doubt that there's going to be a couple of Leafs fans in the crowd there. Uh, hopefully we can pull out the win. And then before we hop on Tuesday, 7 p.m., 
Florida Panthers at home. At least play, excuse me, at least play the Florida Panthers. At least they're at home in Toronto there. So, Ooh, a couple of th- three games this week. We get three wow. games. We're right, back bye. after after two games in two weeks. We're back. Awesome. You have anything else for today? That's it for me. All right. Awesome. Thanks, everyone, for listening.